Wisconsin's afternoon news is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's John McCure. Happy Friday. We made it. Hope you've had a great week. We've had a great week around here. I'm pretty excited about today's show, too. Lots of really, really good guests and lots of things that we are tracking on this Friday afternoon. This is the three. At 3 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. All right, Greg, where do we start? Well, from Kamala Harris to President Biden to Janet Yellen, the Secretary of the Treasury, the latest high-ranking official to visit Wisconsin this week. Absolutely. I think she's still in town, as a matter of fact. I heard that she's in the building here, that she was at MMAC, which is just down the hallway. That would explain the security presence in the market hall today, because it was pretty robust. Lots of people talking into their wrists with ears, with earbuds in. Jack Rao was with the Treasury Secretary earlier today, and he's in the studio with us live. Jack, pretty big visit. It was a pretty big visit. There were a lot of smiling faces inside because you mentioned it earlier, a $1.5 million federal uh, grant to develop the uh, WRTP uh, school to get more people into the trades. Lots of happy faces inside, not as much outside. There was a vocal group of pro-Palestinian protesters denouncing Secretary Yellen's uh, presence and the Biden administration. And here's what one pro protester told me. So we're here to say we do not want our tax dollars continuing to fund the genocide of Palestine. I'd want her to know that the people does not support this as they're gearing up for this election year. Um, more and more people are ready to abandon the Democratic Party. Unfortunately, I didn't have the chance to ask uh, Secretary Yellen's response to the protest, but Yellen said she expects inflation to keep decreasing. All right, Jack, thank you so much. Absolutely. Appreciate it. More on Janet Yellen's visit as we head through the afternoon here on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. All right, Greg, what's next? Well, some lists are great to be on, John, others not so much. And unfortunately, we have the latter right now. Milwaukee has been named one of the top cities in America. Bed bug infestations. Oh, Lord. Not a good list. <laughs> and bed bugs are on the rise in our city. On Monday, the international pest control company Orkin released their annual list of the 50 most bed bug infested cities in the United States. Milwaukee was 25th. 25th, and they're moving up the list. A list we don't want to be moving up. We're up 15 spots. We were the 40th most infested last year. This year, we are the 25th. Guess where the top most infested, nasty, dirty city is in America? El Paso, Texas. Not a bad guess. Lafayette, Arkansas. Chicago. Really? Chicago is the most infested bedbug city in America. It's the fourth year in a row that they've topped the list. New York, Philadelphia, Cleveland, and Los Angeles are the top five. By the way, it's not a great year for the Windy City. Chicago is also recently named America's most rat-infested city by Orkin. Jesus. <laughs> oh, just ugly, nasty. I would have guessed New York City for rats. Me too. Right? Yeah, me too. Just makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but it's Chicago. All right. All right. What's the third thing that we're tracking? Well, happy birthday to the incomparable Mr. Baseball, Bob Euchre. His birthday today, turning 90. Everybody's telling stories. Everybody's talking about Euchre. And that includes recently CC Sabathia talking about Bob Euchre. I mean, I, I think I met Yuke right away. Uh, he was in the clubhouse every single day. You know, he was in the food room every single day telling stories, talking about his fishing trips and different things like that. So, you know, I think he was probably one of the very first people I met. And, you know, the, the, the coolest thing was, you know, for me, just being able to hang out and, and, and sit around and, and talk um, shop with him and listen to all his stories and all the people that he had, you know, come across and, and you know, the movies. And, you know, I mean, Yuke's a star. So... It, it, it's pretty fun. I mean, 
having a chance to grow up in that Cleveland organization, getting close to Bob Feller, Mudcat Grant, and then coming to, going to Milwaukee and his Bob Uecker, and then coming to New York and you know Yogi Berra and and Ron Guidry. So um, I've been blessed to be around some incredible baseball people and and incredible, incredibly talented baseball players um, to kind of help shape and mold you know how I think about the game. CC Sabathia talking about Bob Euchre, and we've got a lot of special treats coming up for you as we celebrate Euchre on today, his birthday. I had the chance to sit down with Euchre and talk about his role in Major League the Movie a few years ago. We're going to play that interview for you coming up this afternoon. You'll hear from Ricky Weeks talking about Bob Euchre. Jason Wilde will weigh in on Euchre. And you've put together some pretty cool highlights of Uke on the air. We've got a compilation package that will air toward the end of the show, but I do find it fitting for us to, on this day, uh, just occasionally remind you of the brilliance of Bob Uecker. So, coming back from a break, you might hear something like this. I watched uh, Great Britain against China in badminton. Hitting that thing is easy. We used to do it with live birds. <laughs> oh, you swat a sparrow and then try to hit him back? No chance. Yeah, it might just appear out of nowhere, and uh, you'll just have a little chuckle as you're driving around or listening today, wherever you are. That is so good. That's so good on a Friday. It is 3.13 at WTMJ. We're going to switch gears up next. Donald Trump is in court today, and something rather extraordinary happened when the defense attorneys on the other table from Trump gave their closing statements. Royal Oaks, ABC News legal analyst, is with us up next. Another rather unusual moment in a Donald Trump legal proceeding. Our attorneys made their closing arguments today in the former president's trial determining whether he must pay Elle magazine columnist E. Jean Carroll additional damages for defaming her in 2019. Royal Oaks, ABC News legal analyst, has been monitoring the uh, proceedings since the very beginning, and he is with us this afternoon. Royal, good afternoon. What's the headline here? Well, the headline is that the jury is deliberating Donald Trump's fate in terms of the defamation claim by Ms. Carroll. And, of course, with all of Trump's legal issues, you kind of need a scorecard. This is not one of the four criminal cases pending against him. It's not the civil case involving fraud in New York City. It is instead uh, one person, uh, Ms. Carroll, suing Donald Trump for defamation for money damages, again, not criminal. Now, this is the woman who won five million bucks against Donald Trump last year, but she had a right to have a second trial. Uh, and now, before this trial, the judge said, well, since you lost five million bucks before Donald on basically the same issue, you called her a liar. The jury said, no, she wasn't a liar. You defamed her. I hereby rule you lose this second trial as well. And so the trial really is just how much money should she get. So damages was the only issue. Donald Trump was not happy with this whole arrangement. He, he pretty much stormed out of court a few times. Uh, and now uh, it's up to the jury. And they've got another 11 minutes before their deadline to uh, reach their verdict today. If they don't reach it, they'll come back Monday. Of course, sometimes jurors say to the judge, hey, Your Honor, we were supposed to go home uh, right about now, but we're making progress. So how about giving us an extra, uh, extra hour? So that could happen this afternoon. There is such a thing as the Friday jury phenomenon where jurors are kind of fed up with being jurors and they'd like to issue the decision now and get home for the weekend and resume their normal life. Royal, uh, Royal how would you best describe Trump's behavior throughout the proceedings? Well, he was extremely contentious with this judge, even more so than some of the other feuds he's had with other judges. Uh, for example, at one point, Donald Trump was saying things like, you know, witch hunt, uh, con job, uh, under his breath, but too loud for the judge's taste. And so the judge admonished him. And then they got into a back and forth 
where the judge says, I know you'd probably like me to kick you out of the courtroom. And Donald Trump said, yes, I would. And the idea was everything that happens to Donald Trump that's bad in the legal system seems to give him a bounce in the polls and in terms of raising money. So the judge was kind of oddly mixing it up with Donald Trump in that way. Uh, of course, Donald Trump likes to point out on Truth Social, this is a Clinton appointee. The judge doesn't have any real love for Donald Trump. So it has been contentious. Uh, and uh, we'll find out either a little later today or, or perhaps early next week what the jury thinks about it. The betting is about $10 bucks. The damages uh, would be a likely amount, uh, and that's based on some expert testimony provided by Ms. Carroll's lawyers. Royal Oaks with us on WTMJ. So some of that contentious behavior was today when he stormed out of court during the closing arguments by Carroll's attorney. That was obviously in front of the jury. How is that likely to influence a jury? Well, it, it is interesting. It's you, We can scratch our heads. We can look at them and try to stare holes through the jurors, but usually they play it pretty close to the vest. Um, in the last trial, Donald Trump not only did not testify, which has to be frustrating for jurors, he never even showed up for any of the court sessions, which you don't have to do in a civil case. This time around, he attended those sessions, and he did testify very briefly earlier this week. The judge put a tight rein on him because the judge explained, you're not here to say you're not liable for defamation. That ship has sailed. You already have been de- declared liable for defamation. The only question is how much money should be paid to her. So it'll be interesting to see if the jurors talk with the press after uh, their decision is in the books. But right now, we really don't know whether they're, they've lost patience with Donald Trump or if they uh, are unimpressed with Ms. Carroll's case. Uh, we should know soon. Royal, forgive me for having lost track, but what's next in the world of legal proceedings for Donald Trump? Well, in terms of the uh, criminal cases, uh, he's got the four criminal trials. Uh, Really, the Stormy Daniels trial in New York City might be the one most likely to go. That's set for late March. The Washington, D.C. case involving election interference, a hugely important case, that's set for March 4, but probably it'll get pushed into uh, later in the year or even into 2025 because the Supreme Court has taken up a couple of issues that could delay that. Then you get the Florida case that'll probably get kicked. In the Georgia case, they don't even have a trial date now. And with Fannie Willis's problems, the district attorney in Georgia, uh, that case, people are betting that ain't going to go in 2024 either. So really, Stormy Daniels might be the, the one bomber that could get through if, if you're into the whole fail-safe or Dr. Strangelove analogy. Uh, one conviction for Donald Trump could torpedo his candidacy. Uh, but at this point, there's no guarantee that we will get a jury verdict against Donald Trump before November. So, Royal, part of the debate when you talk about Donald Trump is could he pardon himself? And in several of these cases, if he was president, he would have the power to, whether constitutionally, kin is another issue in uh, Georgia. It's a state case, so he couldn't. What is the general understanding and what are the points that you talk through when you discuss whether Donald Trump could legally pardon himself? Well, as you pointed out, uh, the president only has the power to pardon folks in connection with federal crimes. So to the extent that some of the allegations against him are in state court, two of the four criminal cases, he could not do anything about those. Um, As to whether it's really legal, you know, uh, scholars generally say, yeah, a president probably may pardon 
him or herself. But there's no real clear answer to that because the Supreme Court has never addressed it. Uh, but there's nothing in the Constitution that says you may not. And that's why the scholars generally feel that he probably could do that. And, of course, that only relates to criminal stuff. It does not relate to, for example, this civil case by Ms. Carroll against him for money damages uh, in the defamation matter. So, Roy, it's kind of a speculatory question here, but Trump did not have to be present in the courtroom today throughout these proceedings. Why do you believe he chose to be? You know, maybe he got some flack over the fact that he didn't attend even a single minute of the defamation trial by the same woman uh, a year or so ago, and he lost five million bucks. So his lawyers may have said, all right, Mr. Trump, you really need to not only attend the trial, but the jury is going to want to hear from you. Uh, And so that may be why he did it. But, you know, he he would pick and choose the times, as you've reported uh, during the final argument uh, by Gene Carroll's lawyer. He stormed out of the courtroom. He was not about to sit there and listen for an hour or two uh, to hear somebody say terrible things about him. But when his lawyer's uh, turn came to give her final argument, he did come back in. So. Uh, He was in uh, and out sporadically. And, of course, attendance in the criminal trials is a big deal the rest of the year, because if they happen and if he's campaigning and yet he's stuck in a criminal trial for weeks or months, that could really put a crimp in his campaign style. What was E. Jean Carroll's demeanor in court? Well, she's subdued. Uh, She's trying to convey to the jury when she testified that uh, she's getting death threats, that her reputation has been trashed. And, of course, the response by Trump's lawyer is, well, uh, Donald Trump isn't responsible for people on social media uh, threatening her. And in terms of her reputation, she was a, sort of a wannabe celebrity back in the 90s. Uh, she now has fame beyond her wildest dreams on the speaking circuit and so on. So uh, Trump's lawyer is trying to paint it as a situation where she really wasn't damaged at all. ABC News legal analyst Royal Oaks. Interesting times. Thank you, Royal. You bet. 325 at WTMJ. Coming up after the news at the bottom of the hour, we celebrate Bob Euchre. Bob Euchre with a big birthday today. I had the chance to sit down with Euchre a few years ago. I'm going to play that interview for you. And one of our favorite guests, celebrity chef Adam Pollock, with a really nice honor. And we're also going to talk to Chef about the James Beard Awards. You've probably heard the term. What exactly are the James Beard Awards? How difficult is it to be nominated, let alone win a James Beard Award? So Chef Adam Pollock will be with us coming up in the 3 o'clock hour. And then Jason will be with us coming up at 4.15 on WTMJ. Before we get to any of that, the WTMJ Annex Wealth Management Market update. Stocks bouncing around on this Friday as investors digested a key inflation reading ahead of next week's Fed meeting on interest rates. Where did they land? Well, the Dow was the gainer. Dow was up 60 points to close at 38.109. The S&P 500 was down just three points to 48.90. The Nasdaq dropped 55 points to close at 14.455. Get ready for 2024 with investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Click the Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. I'm going to tell you a true story. So this story is true. This story is true. Okay. As I make it up, I think I've told you this story before. And if not, I hope I remember it. And if I don't remember it right, I'll make it sound really good as we move along. (laughs) Say it with conviction. I'm going to. (laughs) Everything, it's just hilarious. I... I, and he's had so many great just, broadcast partners, but there's something about the Jim Powell background laughter yeah. that just, I mean, he could bust up Jim like nobody else. Yeah, it just works. They, you could tell they really liked each oh, other, definitely. too. No doubt. No which doubt. Which is fun. So a few years ago, the movie Major League was celebrating its 30th anniversary. 
And so that was 2019. It is the 35th anniversary of the movie Major League this year. That's hard to believe, 35 years. I had been trying for a long time to talk to Bob Euchre, and Euchre doesn't do a lot of interviews. He just doesn't sit down with a lot of people. We get access to him on opening day. If you see him around the ballpark, Greg, I know you know him. You'll say hi to him. But I never had the chance to sit down with Bob Euchre. And when I ran it past his guys that I wanted to talk about Major League, they said, oh, he's in. He'll talk about Major League. So this is me talking to Bob Euchre about the anniversary of the movie Major League. You can I sit in the dugout at American Family Field. Bob, it's been 30 years since Major League. Does it feel like 30 years? You know what? Um, when I look at myself, it does. But <laughs> other than that, no, time time goes by so fast. I know I, I did a little part for that home run derby this year at the All-Star game. Yeah. Hello again, baseball fans, and welcome to Progressive Field here in Cleveland, Ohio, for one of the most exciting nights in baseball and the 2019 home run derby. And when they were talking about that being 30 years, the 30th anniversary, of the film that we did uh, over at Old County Stadium, as a matter of fact, I, I found it kind of hard to believe. But then, when I when I think back to it was 1989, you know, here we are in in the year 2019. Yeah, time goes by, man. You can't stop it. That's one thing you can't stop. What are some of your favorite memories or thoughts when you think back to the taping and the making of the movie? Hello again, everyone. I'm Harry Doyle, along with my good friend and partner, Monty, what's his name, giving a big wahoo welcome to all the Cleveland faithful. They gave me the, uh, they gave me the opportunity to, to kind of do what I wanted, you know, to look at the script. They had a lot of funny stuff in there that they wrote, but they gave me the, the freedom to look down on the floor. I had the script down on the floor next to me. I'd look down every once in a while and see what the, see what the scene was. And then go on and do the same thing I do here, you know, with, with the ball club. And, and I found it easy to do. I think it's a little more work when you do you do something that's not in the script. Then you got to do more. Ricky Vaughn on the pitch now. You can close the book on Kelder. Thank God. Yeah, more stuff like that, more stuff like that. But the script itself was funny. We came back from a road trip uh, one night about midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning. And I came to the ballpark, and they were out here getting ready. They were shooting their stuff. I went into Charlie Sheen's trailer and sat with him for about a half an hour and talked about the film. And Vaughn, a juvenile delinquent in the offseason in his Major League debut. I, I was impressed with Charlie Sheen. I mean, the way he threw the ball. Ball four. Ball eight. Low and Vaughn has walked the bases loaded on 12 straight pitches. Boy, how can these guys lay off pitches that close? He really did. He threw pretty good. But all of those people, Corbin Burnson, who took a couple of shots at third base off of fungal balls that were hit to him. Come on, Dorn, get in front of the damn ball. Don't give me this Olay bullshit. I got it right here in my contract. says I don't have to do any calisthenics. I don't feel unnecessary. So what do you think about that? You know, it was a movie that looked pretty decent. That that everybody played pretty good. It wasn't wasn't something where you where you're embarrassed about it. I mean, and now after after all this time, it, it's turned into kind of a cult thing. I guess I don't I don't know. It's it's it plays all the time. I mean, I go in the clubhouse sometimes, and these guys have it on in here. Yeah, they know all the lines and and all the stuff that went on in the film. But I'll tell you, these Cleveland fans are great. Listen to them get behind Vaughn. Hey, way to go, Rick! All of Ohio loves you. Come on, baby. Come on, Ricky. Come on, Ricky. 
and it, it lives on. It, it's it's amazing how much. A couple of years back, we went to Cleveland. Rolling in the Cleveland to the lake. And they had a Harry Doyle night at uh, at the stadium, so I had to throw out the first pitch. It was it was jammed up, and I had to tell the catcher, you know, I can't. I got to throw it outside. You know, you you know where it's going, just so you know. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. And he said, I'm, I'm ready for it. So I, that's exactly what I did. I threw it way outside, and he made a nice catch on it, and everybody liked it. It was fun. When you recorded and ad-libbed some of those famous lines, those classic lines, did you know immediately they were gold, they were funny? You see the movie, but I'm actually on radio in the movie, right? So nobody can see me, uh, so I can say what I want. For the Indians, one run on, let's say, one hit. That's all we got. One damn hit. You can't say damn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. Harry Doyle was a radio guy. The guy they had working with me, Monty, he was perfect. You know, I mean, he said absolutely nothing. And he didn't have to say much. No, he didn't have to say anything. No, he was great. Monty was great. It, it was absolutely easy. Go smoking through my dreams. Burn on big river. This year, the 35th anniversary of Major League. Hard to believe. I don't. Not many things make me feel old. When I think about how old my kids are, I feel old. When I think about how long I've been married to my beautiful wife, I feel old because it's a big number. And the fact that Major League is 35 years old. It still ta- uh, stands the test of time. That means you were like 10 when it came out. Yeah, right. I mean, it still stands the test of time. I remember being a kid and there were like open calls to like fill the stands. Yeah. Yeah. Like you could go, and like yeah. a girl from my fifth grade class is wearing a, a green wig standing up on the dugout. Can you see a, her in the movie? Yes, her name was Colette Couperi. I'll never forget her name. Wow, holding cool. a sign that says Wild Child on it as Ricky Vaughn's coming out of the bullpen. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> hey, coming up, more salutes to Bob Euchre. We're going to ask Jason Wilde about Euchre when he joins us coming up at 4.15. And coming up near the very end of the show, you're going to want to stick around and check this out. It's a compilation of some of the highlights of Euchre being Euchre. We'll play that for you near the very end of the show. Up next, the owner of Egg and Flour, Adam Pollock, with us live in the studio. Gaylord Perry. He still says the worst day of his whole career, his life, is when I hit a home run against him. How does that make you feel? I love it. I don't ever remember facing him. Bob Euchre is celebrating a big birthday today. We'll continue to celebrate Euchre as we head through the afternoon, including very late in the show, a montage of a lot of this sort of thing. It's going to be a lot of fun, so make sure you stick around. Our guy, celebrity chef Adam Pollock, the owner of Egg and Flour, has received a big award, Greg. What is a power broker? Incredible recognition. Adam Pollock was recognized by the Milwaukee Business Journal as one of the power brokers well, and of Milwaukee. And 99 other people. It well, was yeah, not just I get me. it. But it's, yeah, there's 565,000 people who live in Milwaukee. More than Adam. a million like, in our this, area. This yes. is a big deal. I know. This We're is great. not exactly sure what a power broker what is, is but power you do broker? have power. You know, I I found this out last year. I received this, and that's when I really like kind of dug into it. And I think it's just people like, I'm super fortunate that the things that I do are enough to be uh, seen by, you know, people higher up or people that have a say in these kind of things. And that's... Uh, Super cool, but I the list you you like see some of these people on the list, and I always laugh. It's kind of like my forty under forty thing, where I'm yeah. like introduce myself to everyone. Like I own a restaurant <laughs> and I do some charity stuff. Uh, nice to meet you all. I don't know why I'm here, but no, I think it's people that uh, do stuff outside of just that nine to five work job that they have another job, and that's to help the community or help. 
people that are in need or uh, make a difference in what they're doing or try to do good, you know, as much as possible and honestly, truly like uh, mean it, you know, because there's a lot of people out there that try to do things just to get like, uh, you know, get accolades and stuff. And for me, it's like that all these things are surprises, you know, it's like you don't you don't send in an application to get a power broker award, but um <laughs> Just, uh, I'm super fortunate. It's cool. It's a good way to meet people and, uh, let people know who's out there really, uh, making changes and doing stuff. So thanks, Milwaukee Business Journal. James Beard nominees are out. We have a history in Wisconsin, in Milwaukee, of having nominees and having winners. Give yeah, us some perspective. State. Yeah, the whole state has always been good. Is this like the Oscars? Is this how how can those of us that aren't really into the food scene understand how big a deal this is? Yeah, it's huge. It's, uh, you know, it's a lot different than Michelin because James Beard is more so restaurants that I think are for the people, you know, and not for the awards. It's not all fine dining. It's not all super expensive and fancy white tablecloths. It's about people that are doing really good, really consistent, also helping in the community and doing stuff and making a name for what they're doing, but just uh, providing great service, uh, great food, and, uh, you know, there's so many restaurants and chefs and people out there in the world and for them to choose you know i think we got five in just milwaukee uh and i think eight maybe or nine in in the state of wisconsin which is great um but that just goes to show that uh it's a it's a great award and if people don't know just go to the james beard foundation website and look at what they do in chicago they're out of chicago the beard house is down there and they do dinners down there but you can learn a lot of stuff by just uh learning about that one day We'll be talking about the James Beard Award for me and maybe not the Power Broker Award. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you, so I, who decides who belongs on this list? Like, is there a sure. panel of people that go around to restaurants and literally eat the food and scale so it? How does what it what I believe, I think, I don't know the exact details, but I'm pretty sure what happens is each city or each state, whatever, actually gets local people that can apply to be scouts for the James Beard. Hmm. And they have to have some sort of, you know, I'm pretty sure they have to fill out an application or do something to see credentials for that. And then they go through anonymously, you know, that they're even there scouting. And then I think they put their name in a hat. And then there's also public nominations as well. So if you think someone deserves a James Beard Award, you can go on there and do that. And then there is definitely a board, and then there's people that decide. So what happens is there's a, they call it the long list, which is the semifinals, which is happening right now, and then the finals is the short list, because it goes from, I think, 14 down to about 4 or 5, um, which will be coming out again soon. So, super, super cool. It's really awesome to know some of these people. I think I know all of the uh, chefs that were nominated, and uh, always cool to send them congratulations, because it's like, like I said, like you said, the Oscars, it's like, no one's just friends with these superstar actors, but it's cool when you have huge awards like this, and it's someone that you've cooked with or looked up to. You ate at the restaurant. They've ate at your restaurant or whatever it is. You you have their phone number. It's cool. Hmm. And Apollo's so. the owner of Egg and Flour. Without giving us any names of establishments or people, have you ever gone to a place that's a Michelin or a beard place or really highly touted and just had an experience that left you going, wow, that's not all that? Yes. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Yes. I mean, it all depends what you're looking for, too. You know, some of these restaurants that are very, very high, whether it's Michelin or, you know, something like that, it's just, it's not for everyone either. You know, a lot of it is about how to uh, change food and be creative and be art, uh, be an artist and all that, too. And it's not all about, um, 
just flavors and providing something good. But I will say all those restaurants, service, top-notch. That's where you're going to find the, the yep. best service for sure. Uh, vegan stuff's become very, very popular. And there's an event coming up that highlights vegan yes. food. So all the vegans out there or vegetarians that don't mind going vegan or someone that might just want a lighter meal for one night of the year, which isn't a bad thing. <laughs> uh, Sauce MKE Charity Dinner. It's actually my brother, Alex Pavlak, who's putting this event on for his friend Gianni. It's called Sauce Milwaukee, where it's a nonprofit. And he's doing a dinner. I'm doing one of the courses. It's seven courses of vegan food. I know it might not sound incredible, but the chefs that are behind it know what they're doing. They can make vegan food uh, very, very tasty and very out of the box of something. It's at Antigua on February 26th. There's only a little bit of tickets, but I wanted to talk about because we want to get this sold out. At Antigua on 6207 West National, you can go to uh, uh, ampawlak426 at live.com. That's the or the sauce Milwaukee.org. That's how you can get tickets. But look out for that um, if you want to support and help a charity and also eat some vegan food and maybe try something you never had. Like I said, I'm doing one of the courses and should be fun. Should be fun. Yeah. Adam Pavlock owns Egg and Flour. Congratulations. You That's are right. indeed a power broker. A power broker, baby. Thanks Add for hanging out list. with us. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> it is 356 at WTMJ. Here's John McCure. All right, the team is here on this Friday. Greg Matzik is in the house. Debbie Lozick has got your roads. Wyatt Barmar Pooley is in the newsroom with Redbird Jack. And uh, Tommy is producing the show. Sam's got the afternoon off. You've got the utensils, the food, the charcoal, the gas. Are you a gas or a charcoal guy? It depends on what I eat. Say, uh, rabbit. Gas. Gas, definitely gas. Pork. Pork. I don't get much gas from pork. Pork is nice. <laughs> I don't remember ever hearing that clip before. That's so oh, we, I went deep into the well for some of these things. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> so Bob Euchre is celebrating a big birthday today, and we're celebrating it with him. And one of the special things about Euchre is to watch the bond he has with the players, much, 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 much younger than him, and the way they adore him and hang out with him. Ricky Weeks, who's now on the coaching staff, of course, played here in Milwaukee for a long time, and he spoke recently about Bob Euchre. I'm coming into the clubhouse every single day, uh, going to the back of the training room, getting inside a pool and swimming every single day. And I used to wonder why he would do that. So me and would talk a lot about, you know, why he did that. And he said, honestly, he said he just wanted to be around the guys. and He just wants to be one of the guys. And and uh, the thing I got from him the most was uh, how, how humble he was to guys that we thought that he was bigger than us. And him coming around, being very quick witted and 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 still being you know quick on you know his his comebacks and jokes and things like that, um, I think it feels good to for everybody else to kind of be around him and and you know that's why you know Yuke is Yuke and you know we appreciate him for um, you know for everything that he's done in baseball and especially for the city of Milwaukee and for the Milwaukee Brewers. So um, hats off to to Bob and and happy birthday to him. That is Ricky Weeks. So yesterday, a pretty cool segment on what's on tap with Sandy Max. She had local documentarian Steve Farr and Michael Volkman into the studio. Behind-the-scenes look of producing the Bob Euchre documentary. What's something you can tell me about being in the broadcast booth with him? That is such a special space. So we first started shooting with Euchre uh, actually in spring training last year, and um, we spent a few days you know, interviewing and just meeting with him. And then um, 
Steve and Joe, our DP, he, um, they, they went and filmed with him in the booth and it just was kind of, you know, and I guess when I saw the footage, they brought the footage back and I, um, was looking through it. I was like, there's such a process and such like a performative aspect of the radio. And it sounds so natural when you listen on the radio. But then when you see like his, uh, just the way he, he has like his, his methods of like highlighting certain things and he, you know, reading through his research and, um, he has his own very special scorecard that I guess it's been customized for his kind of unique, uh, desires for the, to keep score of the game. And he and the other broadcasters share that book, and they pass it back and forth, depending on who's calling the inning. And uh, it's funny because Lane Grindle and Jeff Levering, they they would say like they kind of would get nervous when they first started working with you to like that they didn't want to mess up his methods of like how they how he took score and you know do everything the right way so that it'd be a seamless transition. And um, I guess you know he actually has someone print like specific you know um, score books for the season. You know, I think they go through like two a year. Um, and he has a guy that does it. And then we, through filming, we actually, I think at one point, Lane Grindle kind of showed us like a, a, like a, took us over to like a, a, a locker and they pulled out like scorecards from, I don't know, a decade worth of games. And it was just like, you could literally open up a, a score, a scorebook from any game and kind of just like read, read it. If you, you know how to yeah. read it and, and know like, you know, the history of that game for, for decades. Yeah. Local documentarian Steve Farr and Michael Volkman. Much more on Yukina's birthday as we head through the rest of the afternoon, including coming up near the very end of the show, we're going to play kind of the greatest hits. And there's so many to choose from. That could be a whole hour, but you'll hear some of Euchre in his best moments. Kind of a montage. That's coming up later on in the show. It's 413. Jason Wilby. Packers News, up next. And the trumpets stay. You don't mess around with Tony Danza either. You tell Tony Danza, look, why are you the captain? Bang, he smokes you, man. Really? Yeah. I've known Tony a long time. Former boxer, not much of a puncher, pretty good dancer. Here's a ball down low, and it's two and one. Who's the boss? He is. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a ball down low. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Bob Euchre celebrating a big birthday today. And we'll celebrate you as we head through the afternoon. I can't wait for some spring training baseball coming up here in less than a month. Uh, a little more than a month, excuse me. And we'll almost hear, right we'll on you. Yeah, almost right on a month. Oh, it's going to be good stuff. Let's bring in Jason Wilde. He is the best in the business, a very talented uh, writer for several publications. You hear Wilde and Tausch, 9 a.m. to noon, ESPN Wisconsin. Jason, happy Friday. Happy Friday, guys. How are you? Uh, good. When you think about Bob Euchre... Do you have a Euchre story or do you have a Euchre thought? What makes Bob Euchre so special? Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Uh, <laughs> ball four, ball eight. Vaughn is now walked the bases loaded on 12 straight pitches. Look, he obviously is a happy 90th birthday to him. Uh, he is a treasure. He is our treasure. Uh, so we are very, very, very um, protective of him. But I got to say, for all the great stuff he's done, he was the soundtrack of my childhood. Every night, listening on my little transistor radio in my bedroom to him call Brewers games, trying to sneak it into my room and have it on on those West Coast games when my parents would tell me it was time to go to sleep and I would ignore them and listen to Uke. All those great memories. But I, I just, I loved him in major league like i remember i was in high school when they filmed it we went to county stadium and we're there till like four in the morning one night and then i maybe this is obscure because there's you have to be of a certain age but 
he was really funny on Mr. Belvedere too. Like he just, he has had such a life and I hope it continues for much longer beyond this because he, everything he did from the Euchre seats of Miller Lite commercials to his acting gigs, to his appearances on uh, Carson on top of all the great stuff he does on the broadcast on WTMJ, he just, what an amazing, amazing life. Happy birthday to you, no doubt. Proving there is no real offseason in the NFL, Jason, the Packers apparently making progress toward hiring a new defensive coordinator. They're going through the interview process. <laughs> this I found funny from your program today. Uh, it was breaking news on the program. You brought up to former Packer and former Los Angeles Chargers offensive lineman Brian Bulaga that Brandon Staley, the fired head coach of the Chargers, would be among those interviewed in Green Bay. Here's how the the reaction went from Balaga. Is Brandon Staley the former Chargers coach? Oh, oh boy. <laughs> that went exactly oh. as I pictured it in my mind when I sprung that oh. on Brian. Brian, your thoughts. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, listen, uh, I, I like Brandon. I think he's a great guy. Sometimes not a lot of words <laughs> say a lot of words, Jason. Yeah, I think the next phrase out of my mouth was yeah it sounds like it brian um (laughs) yeah he was he he was there for that first season 2021 uh that staley was the head coach look they're they're gonna it appears that they're casting a wide net once again and brandon staley uh was the hot commodity as a defensive coordinator right He, he was the the rams coordinator in 2020 before that he spent three years uh, with Vic Fangio, first in Chicago and then in Denver, where Fangio was the head coach uh, with him for a year. But look, the, the the fact of the matter is, is that the bloom appears to be off that rose. Uh, I think Brian's reaction was uh, one that I bet you would get from more than a few uh, folks that are looking at Brandon Staley's candidacy. It looks like he's also going to interview in some other places, though, so... Maybe he's going to get an opportunity, but look, he's just the kind of the tip of the iceberg. Um, he was the first one that Lafleur reportedly interviewed. Uh, Lafleur Le- uh, also um, is interviewing a guy named Christian Parker, who uh, spent two years as a quality control coach here in Green Bay. Um, the first two years that Lafleur was the head coach, so Lafleur is familiar with him. Uh, he's one of those rising young stars. He's 32 years old. Uh, he's worked in Denver with Fangio and Ajero Evero. He worked last year uh, in Denver with Sean Payton and Vance Joseph. So he's an intriguing guy. And then they've also made requests to interview two other candidates, uh, Bill's linebackers coach Bobby Babish and Dallas Cowboys defensive line coach Aiden Durday. Um Two guys that are also relatively young, early 40s. Uh, so it looks like he's going to interview a lot of people again, like he did last time when he hired Joe Barry. Joe Barry was one of nine candidates that he interviewed then. Jason, I think it's quite delicious that on this almost 40th anniversary of when the most overrated franchise in NFL, the Chicago Bears, won a Super Bowl, they are reportedly talking to Joe Barry to become their defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Does this point to a lack of depth in the NFL, a lack of our understanding about what makes a good coordinator? Why is this happening? Yeah, so there's a couple of interesting aspects. I'm glad you asked about that because I saw that and, and wanted to make a joke too. And and I, I think there's a couple of things that make it 
make a little more sense than maybe it does uh, for for on the face value of it. Um, Matt Eberflus, their head coach, is a defensive-oriented head coach. In fact, when their defensive coordinator uh, resigned in September, Alan uh, Williams, he took over as the play caller. So Eberflus, kind of like Lafleur calls the offensive plays, uh, Eberflus called the defensive plays. So he may not have an interest in having a defensive coordinator who actually calls the plays, but rather somebody who is more administrative, kind of like how Adam Stenovich handles offensive coordinator for the Packers. They also have an in-house candidate who's been with Eberflus for a really long time. I was reading this in the Chicago Sun-Times this afternoon. Um, their, their linebackers coach, Dave Borgonzi, is, has been with uh, Eberflus for a long time. So maybe it's not to hire Joe Barry as the defensive coordinator. Maybe it's to hire him as an inside linebackers coach, which is what he's coached a lot. So there's a few possibilities there, but it is interesting. I think he's one of those guys, and, and Greg and I were actually talking about this at Potawatomi on, on, on Monday night. I think maybe Joe Barry's one of those guys that is a really good position coach, but maybe not a great coordinator, just like there are guys that are great coordinators that when they make the leap to being a head coach, like Brandon Staley for perhaps, who aren't ready for that jump. There may be – sometimes you get one level above where you're really best at, and maybe that's the case with Joe Barry. ESPN Wisconsin's Jason Wilde. Jason, have a great weekend. Thanks for being with us all football season. You got it, guys. Take care. Be good. It is 426 at WTMJ. Time for the WTMJ Annex Wealth Management Market Update. Stocks closed flat but did secure a winning week. The Dow climbed today. It's up 60 points at 38,109. The S&P was off three points to close at 48,90. The NASDAQ was down 55 points. It currently sits at 15,455. Get ready for 2024 with investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Click the Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. John Mercure here for Colette Vacations and an incredible trip that I'd love for you to be part of. We are taking listeners to southern Italy and Sicily in October. This October, I'd love for you to come with us. I'd love to get you the brochure. I've got a beautiful brochure with all the information, including pricing. The itinerary is incredible. A week in breathtaking Sicily, the cobblestone piazzas and ornate buildings of Palermo, seven UNESCO World Heritage Sites, the breathtaking Amalfi Coast in Sorrento, How about the deep blue hues of the Mediterranean? We will sail to Positano, check out the ruins of Pompeii. Sorrento is on this itinerary. Send me an email. I'll send you one of these beautiful brochures. I'll shoot it off to you right away. John.Mercure at WTMJ.com. That's my email. John.Mercure at WTMJ.com. Wine, food, time for shopping, top-tier hotels. It's southern Italy and Sicily in October of this year, and Rome is included. I'd love for you to be with us in Rome. It's maybe my favorite city in the whole world. John.Mercure at WTMJ.com. That's John.M-E-R-C-U-R-E at WTMJ.com. Did I mention there's food, food and wine? Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. Yelich knocks one to the gap in right center. This could be the one. Ah, he's going to be held to a double. He's trying for three. He's going to do it. Get out. He's in there. Wow. They're on their feet here. So are we. Bob Euchre's call of a Christian Yelich cycle 
from 2018 when he was a very young, what, 84, 85, <laughs> Just right? Just amazing. Amazing I pipes. I, I love And it gets me fired up for the season. I'm ready for uh, spring training to get here. I wonder when he, does he live part of the year in Arizona? Yeah, so he has a, a place in Scottsdale, and typically, and, and I'm the one who makes the spring training schedule, yeah, by the way, yeah. if I just a peek behind the curtain, if there's a game not on, just yell at me. Um, <laughs> That's what we do. Exactly. So, uh, But he likes to do games in Maryvale uh, at the home park. Occasionally he'll do one in Scottsdale, so that would be Talking Stick Resort, where the Rockies and Diamondbacks play, and then in Scottsdale, where the Giants play. Sometimes those are night games, which he'd prefer not to do. Um, but yeah, and... Who knows? How he he kind of calls his own shot during spring training, yeah. and but he tends to do a lot of home games. And you will hear Brewers baseball here on WTMJ beginning in March. We'll carry some of those spring training games for you in March on WTMJ. On Friday, we do the Week in Review. This week, the president and vice president return to Wisconsin, a bombshell firing by the Bucks. Mr. Baseball turns 90 and more. It's the Week in Review, brought to you by Outdoor Living Unlimited. What we do here is go back, 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 back. back. Join me in welcoming our Vice President, Kamala Harris. Vice President Harris sharing the administration's pledge to women seeking abortion services. The government should not be telling her what to do with her body. There's a reason that they put Kamala in the middle of nowhere is because they knew Milwaukee would show up. The author of a 14-week abortion ban proposal in Wisconsin is defending her exclusion of exceptions for rape or incest. I have demonstrated my commitment to women's health with support for over-the-counter birth control. But what about exploiting the lives of those who are forced? to carry out a pregnancy they do not want. We've been trying to get our arms around what's happening in the Racine Unified School District as the district insists that school is on today, but we understand that some of the buses are having trouble getting around. I do understand that some students may have been dropped back off at home, so we're working to get communication out to those families. Had my four-year-old turned around and been left at the bus stop without my knowledge, I, I would absolutely be pursuing a lawsuit. Well, breaking news, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, the Milwaukee Bucks have dismissed head coach Adrian Griffin. Woj also reporting Doc Rivers is among those on a short list of potential permanent replacements. This is a unique situation where it is win now. They didn't think they had that anymore with Adrian Griffin. Uh, I thought it was a little bit too early. It was like, wait, what? In the middle of a season, he's been doing so good. It was a little surprise, but I think it might be a move in the right direction. Tonight, I'm declaring 2020 for the year of the worker in Wisconsin. Governor Tony Evers in his State of the State Address Tuesday echoing a theme of the workforce. Former President Donald Trump wins another contest and tells his followers in New Hampshire about November. If we don't win, I think our country is finished. Bring it, Donald. Show me what you got. Three regions have told me you floated resigning if that deal failed. Were they mistaken? As much as I'd like to clarify that whole issue, it would be inappropriate for me to, to say anything about what happened in a closed session. Here in this open session, would you want to resign? or no? <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> See, Eric, that was your question. Now it goes to Corey, I think, right? So there we go. You can elaborate if you want. That's my question! Joe Barry not returning as the Packers defensive coordinator next season. Kent Lovern, he's the chief deputy district attorney for the County of Milwaukee. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Steve. You're here today because you're running for the big job, district attorney for the County of Milwaukee. Public safety is top of mind for everyone in Milwaukee County right now. Everyone deserves to live safely in their communities. 
From the WDTMJ Breaking News Center in the city of Milwaukee, after decades of fighting over the future of Northridge Mall, has now gained court approval to take ownership of the property. My understanding is that we're in the clear. The city now has ownership of the former mall and can move forward with this. Hello, Wisconsin. President Joe Biden speaking at a brewery at the base of the Blatnick Bridge, a route he calls critical to the U.S. economy. Kenneth Smith said tonight Alabama causes humanity to take a step back. Backwards. Instead of a needle injecting lethal drugs into his veins, an oxygen mask pumping pure nitrogen was placed over Kenneth Eugene Smith's face. For about two minutes following that, Kenneth Smith shook and rides uh, for about two minutes on a gurney. Following that, his breath slowed until it was no longer perceptible. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen visiting Milwaukee Friday. No reason right now why there would be a recession this There's year. There's no obvious reason why there would be. Happy birthday to Mr. Baseball, Bob Euchre. He just hit a walk-off out of here! When I hear the name Bob Euchre, an instant smile comes to my face. When I was covering the Brewers for Fox Sports Wisconsin, I wanted to avoid an exchange with Bob Euchre that had us going, Bob, Bob. The first thing I think of when I hear the name Bob Euchre is the movie Major League. I was actually cast in the movie, and when I went home to tell my parents, my dad said, well, who's in the movie? And I said, Bob Euchre? And he went, Bob Euchre? Get up. Get up! Get out of here! Go on! What a week! I got bit by one, and I liked it. Oh, babe. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Yeah, that's the Week interview brought to you by Outdoor Living Unlimited. Okay, it's been crazy weather. During the time of year where it's usually the coldest, literally, week of the year, it's been 40 degrees, and the snow is melting, and we've had rain. Now we got fog and rain. It's really, really weird, and that can do weird things to your house things that maybe you haven't thought about. Some of it seems like common sense, but some of this stuff I have not really spent a lot of time talking about. What you need to know this weekend to make sure there's no unexpected surprises on the home front. Eric Brown from Siding Unlimited with us live up next on WTMJ. So we got the great melt of 2024 happening right now, John. <laughs> That's about right. This is nice. My dog's finally happy to go outside again. Yep. Uh, it is kind of one of those weird times, right? After the deep freeze, they're like, hey, get a roof rake up on your roof. You don't want ice dams. You don't want your gutters feeling the brunt of the weight of snow that's melting and then turning to ice when the temperature gets cold. I don't have one of those. I actually took an actual yard rake out, and it, it sort of worked. It did enough. I feel like it did enough to expose close to the shingles to, to where my gutters are actually working now. So All right, I did not do I that. Improvised. My neighbor offered to borrow me his, to lend me his, excuse me, and I did not do that, and I feel like I didn't need to. Okay. I'm fine. My house is still standing. The well, gutters are working. And luckily, it's been warm enough where there hasn't been the thaw-freeze cycle, right? I mean, it stayed above freezing for the last couple of nights, but still it's a good time to take inventory around your house. Do you have water in your window sills? Are your doors doing what they need? Stripping? Like, all sorts of things can happen. And now that you've got a chance to walk outside and not freeze your you-know-what off, that's a good time to do it or welcome in an expert like Eric Brown from Siding Unlimited, a big proponent of the roof rake. I know that from you, Eric. Hey, how are you guys doing? Hey, good. Um, Yeah, I I am definitely a proponent of roof raking, and we kind of got away with one. So I, I, I do feel like we got all the snow that came down last week or a week and a half ago, and then... Um, because like Greg, like what you mentioned that the temperatures went up, but never got back down to freezing that much. So we got that natural melt, but the precautionary measure is to roof rake because had we kind of bounced around between freezing and then 
uh, you know, warm enough temperatures for melting and then freezing again and then melting and then freezing, you end up building that ice dam. And during the melt, we all know the ice isn't going to melt as fast as the snow. So as the as that snow melts off the off the roof, it reaches the bottom where that ice dam build that where that ice buildup is, and then the water wants to work backwards. It wants to get underneath the shingles, underneath your roofing, into, and then that is just going to find its way into the house. Once you get past the roofing, or the roofing, um, the roofing protection, it's a it's a free for all. That water can find its way in anywhere. Damage drywall, rot out uh, your framework. Uh, run down the walls, run drip through windows, all of that stuff, and it creates havoc. So it really is a precautionary measure that, and I usually say every four to six inches on a snowstorm, go out there and and rake your roof, get the first couple feet above the gutters free and clear. That's going to allow the sun to melt that and keep that from developing, you know, that ice dam that we always talk about. Eric Brown is with us on WTMJ. So Eric, I had a situation with that storm that you're talking about where I have birch trees, next to the house, probably too close to the house now, I realize. And they bent every which way. You're a, a siding housing guy, and I had one tree that ended up rubbing against the siding, rubbing against the shingles. I had a tree company come out and take care of it. But I want to ask you about the danger of having a tree too close, especially when wind and ice and snow and that sort of thing can damage our biggest investment, our house. Well, this this storm, you know, people have called in and, and uh, they've had questions and they're saying, you know, we have this. This is no different than any other storm. We always get snow. This storm was different. And and my the way I can explain it or I ask people is to think about how many tree branches did you see in people's yards after this storm? Because you don't see that every winter. And uh, and what a tree branch, what what trees can do to the house uh, if they're just rubbing up the up against the house. Um, they can scratch uh, the surface if it's if it's aluminum siding. It can dent. Uh, it can uh, um, it can crack or chip or, or or pull vinyl off off of the wall, depending on on the the extent of the damage that the tree is doing when it leans up against the house. Sometimes people can can uh, take the branches down and there's no damage at all. Uh, so. The the thing with trees and shrubbery and all of that stuff is more of a long-term thing as far as if it's growing around your house, how much moisture that carries on a daily basis with condensation and then uh, or, or just always having shaded areas where the sun never really dries out the house. And then is that causing mold and mildew and issues that way? Um, but, yeah, like a situation like this uh, where a tree branch could fall onto the house, it could uh, puncture the seal on the roof. It could damage the shingles, create uh, a place for water to, to enter into the house. And now, again, you've got water in the wrong spot. And once it gets in, it can go any direction it wants. So, Eric, what else is good to pay attention to beyond what you're talking about there with siding, what to do with your roof, anything with windows or doors this time of year that you really want to watch as we have this thaw and warmer temperatures? Yeah, the, the, the simple, this is, this one is, is a, a simple thing everybody can do, uh, with windows and doors when you're not using them. Now, doors you're generally walking in and out of, but when you're not walking in and out of it, lock the door. Uh, windows, I don't think any of us are using our windows right now. Um, so lock the windows when they're closed. And what that does is it really, the windows have a seal and when they're locked, it puts pressure on the seals the right way. It also keeps the windows 
uh, formed the right way in the wall. Windows can adjust due to the temperature from the, you know, we have 95 degrees in the summer all the way to minus 14 degrees in the winter like we just experienced. That can, uh, that the house is going to move. And if the windows are locked, it's just going to hold them in the, in the position better uh, and give them the best chance to perform uh, down the road. But the obvious one is, is actually locking your windows. Uh, the other thing I like to do uh, kind of falls into the condensation world is, you know, we get, we get in those deep, cold, uh, you know, sub-zero temperatures. And the moisture, the humidity in our house might be too, too much for those outside temperatures. And what happens is when they meet, they meet on the coolest surface of the wall. Well, the coolest surface of the wall isn't necessarily the wall, the drywall, which has the insulation behind it inside the wall. It's the window, the glass. Uh, if we built a house without windows and doors, it would be the most energy efficient house you can imagine. You just wouldn't have any natural light or any ways to get in and out. So we have to have windows and doors, uh, and we try to make these the most energy efficient we can, but they're not going to meet the, the energy efficiency of the middle of your wall where there's wall insulation. So that moisture, when it's really cold outside and you have it really humid inside, that moisture is going to condense on the coolest surface, which is generally the bottom of the glass on a window. And the reason why that is, is because between the two panes of glass, that has its own environment and the heat rises to the top. So the coolest surface is at the bottom. So one of the things I recommend is once a month, and I think this is good for humidity in the house, for getting that uh, moisture uh, under control, but also for breathing and just, just good health in general, is to walk around your house, uh, open up each window as you walk around, and then walk around your house and close each window. And by doing that, you turn the air over in your house, uh, just a healthy way of breathing uh, fresh air that we, we usually don't get in the winter because we button everything up. Uh, come fall, we close everything up and we don't open things up. But it also acclimates the house with the moisture a little bit better with what the environment outside is. He is Eric Brown, Sighting Unlimited, always good perspective. Eric, thank you so much. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, guys. It is 456 at WTMJ. A couple of words for sit, mean, sit, dog training. My dogs are better dogs since I took them to sit, mean, sit, dog training. I mean, we were at the end of our rope, not listening like they should, a little more jumpy than we wanted, barky sometimes, and they're not perfect now, but they are better dogs. Matt and his teams at sit, mean, sit, dog training. We sat down for a free consultation, met with them, Got assigned a trainer. I'll tell you what, the trainers are all top-notch. They have the best trainers and the best techniques. They made me a better dog owner, and my dogs are better dogs. Bella and Baxter, I think they're happier. They know what they need to do now. You, too, can have a happy, confident, obedient dog. It's Sit Means Sit Dog Training. Start with that free consultation, multiple locations. Sit Means Sit Dog Training. Wisconsin's afternoon news is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's John McCure. The team is here. Happy Friday. Hope your week went fantastic. Looking forward to the weekend. It's going to be a little foggy, a little soggy, but hey, it's going to be warm out. Greg Matzik is here. So is Debbie Lazaga. Wyatt Barmore Pulley's in the newsroom. And Tommy's filling in for Sam producing the show. He is producing the hell out of the show. 
I mean, Friday's show has rarely been produced this well. It's pretty incredible, actually. Uh, he left like an hour ago, actually, John. He's not even... <laughs> he's going to get me in trouble. Oh, there he is. Oh, welcome back, Sonny. <laughs> if you're looking for something to do inside, because it's going to be kind of lousy outside, how about a museum? Wrapping up her series on Museum Days in Milwaukee, Debbie Lazaga takes a look at a twofer, a couple of art museums with plenty of history. So you're driving along Lincoln Memorial Drive and you look way up the hill and you see this Italian Renaissance villa? Not what you'd expect to see along Lake Michigan in southeast Wisconsin. Lloyd and Agnes. She means Lloyd and Agnes Smith of A.O. Smith fame. They traveled to Italy together and Agnes saw the wonderful Renaissance style villas there and she said, Lloyd, I want one and I want it in Wisconsin. Marketing director for Villa Terrace, Caroline Daniker, sat down with me and gave me the lowdown on this location as well as the Charles Alice Art Museum. We'll get to that one in a minute. They came back and they commissioned David Adler to build them a Renaissance-style Italian villa, and that's how we get Villa Terrace Art Museum. And in the 40s, there is this transition. Lloyd passes away. Agnes moves out of the home. It sits empty relatively for most of the year. So when she hears that the War Memorial needs more space for its art, she says, well, I have this beautiful empty home which exemplifies craftsmanship. I'm going to donate my home to become an art museum. And the rest, as they say, is history. We do have a historic decorative arts collection, and then we host contemporary craft and decorative arts exhibitions throughout the year. Not only that, but it's one of the premier wedding venues in the city. But Italian Renaissance? Here? Why Wisconsin? <laughs> well, they're based here. Lloyd worked for the A.O. Smith Company. The family had two properties. And David Adler looks at these and he goes, well, if you fell in love with the Mediterranean, then obviously we're choosing the site that's on the bluffs of Lake Michigan. Well, what about the Charles Alice Art Museum? And Charles and Sarah Alice, they were incredibly wealthy industrialists and socialites with interest in art. The name may sound familiar in terms of West Alice. That's right. It's that Charles Alice of Alice Chalmers fame. They were incredible art collectors. So they were in love with art. And they built their home to be an art museum. They built it knowing that they were going to give it to Milwaukee someday. So both locations were private homes and both collections were donated to the city of Milwaukee to give the citizens the opportunity to learn even more about culture. There's art to be seen in Wisconsin. And when you see that art, it reflects our community. It reflects our history. It reflects the peoples who have lived here. That's where we're seen. And Museum Days is a chance, if you haven't taken that chance before, to take advantage and see the city, see what it has to offer, and really experience the culture and the arts available here. So don't miss out on checking out these beautiful spaces. It's a pretty good deal. We act uh, traditionally on the idea of admission reciprocity. So you buy a ticket to one museum, you get admission to the other. So admission is typically $15. You can now get in for 5 And then, of course, children 12 and under are always free at our museums. So it's a great, very affordable family adventure. And don't worry, you still have plenty of time to visit these as well as all the area museums participating in this year's Museum Days event. It runs through January 28th. Debbie Lazaga, WTMJ News. You know, we're all lamenting how there hasn't been much winter, but at least we have a lot of snow still on the ground here. Up in the Northwoods, it is the lifeblood of what happens there. Dick Leinenkugel, the former president of Leinenkugel Brewing, is with us on the WTMJ Hotline from the Northwoods, Eagle River. Dick, good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. Yes, Jane and I make this our home now on Eagle River and have since uh, 2020. 
We've been here for over 20 years, and today I'm looking out on Bass Lake. Temperature is 35 degrees, and there's a layer of water on my plowed pond hockey rink on the lake. Dick, I'm coming up. Michelle and I are supposed to come up in snowmobile with you guys next weekend, and you sent me a text today saying, yeah. man, that is not likely to happen. How devastated has the economy been as a result of the last month? John, we have over 700 miles of snowmobile trails here in Vilas County that connect our 11 townships and our city of Eagle River. And snowmobile clubs, they're mostly all volunteer. Uh, this economy in the winter is driven by by snowmobiling. Uh, a UW-Madison extension study cited in 2016 that it brought over $18.5 million dollars of economic impact here. And if you look at that in today's dollars, that's over 27 million. Um, you know, we didn't have Christmas and New Year's. That's a critical week. The MLK holiday weekend uh, was a non-event up here. Uh, so the next big weekend really for snowmobiling is President's Day weekend. And when you look at this El Nino weather pattern, uh, it doesn't look like we're going to get any snow for that either. And uh, the temps are all in the mid thirties, much like, what Milwaukee's experiencing. Is there just in general, Dick, have you noticed just a, a lack of traffic in that area as well? We know it's such a, a great and wonderful retreat for places uh, for people to visit. Has that slowed down too? Yeah, Greg, you know, Debbie Lazica would not have a job up here. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, traffic is very, very slow going into all of our businesses. Uh, you know, it, it, it impacts motels, resorts, lodging, bars, taverns, restaurants, you know, grocery stores, gas stations. Uh, think of the dealers. Uh, I was I, I gave our uh, snowmobile dealer some business yesterday. I took two of our snowmobiles in basically just to get the maintenance done for next year uh, so that they'll be ready to go next year. Wow. And uh, got them in and got them out the, uh, the next day. So... Um, yeah, it's it's really devastating and quite sad up here uh, right now because of the uh, the lack of snow. Dick Leinenkoog with us from Eagle River. So, Dick, when you think about restaurants and you think about hardware stores and things like that, is there a danger that it won't just be this winter, but that this winter's been so devastating that it could lead to the demise, the end for some businesses? Well, I, I think, you know, the, the way I view it, John, is a lot of these businesses, especially the uh, the bars, taverns, restaurants, are kind of on a, uh, a year-to-year, a day-to-day. I, I look at the summer months as kind of being, you know, their month to get all of the money to put back into their businesses. And the winter months, whatever they get out of the snowmobile ceiling, uh, season, kind of becomes their profit, you know, that they can either decide to upgrade or remodel uh, or maybe even take a little vacation in March and April with, you know, the months we call the mud months up here. But when they don't have the business up here in January and February, and that snowmobile business is primarily uh, the business, yeah, they just, um, uh, there is a real danger that I think some of these businesses will close. Well, and no way to compensate, really, either. You know, sometimes uh, the weather patterns just dictate you pivot a different direction. There's no real direction to pivot, is there? Yeah, there really isn't. I mean, you can cut costs, you can reduce hours, you can uh, try to get, some promotions with the local locals, you know, such as Gene and I who live up here and we're going to go out and support a, a local establishment tonight. Uh, one, one bar that I saw up here is actually selling $100 gift cards that include a 
free $50 gift card for the summer months. Um, so, you know, kind of a, a unique way to to get some capital, right? Get some get some action in the turn in the till. But I would think that, you know other businesses are are going to really have to look at uh, reducing staff and you know it's a, it's that economy that may not come back. Uh, they may go find somewhere else to work. Dick, a lot of people grumble about winter and they don't really like it. When I've come up there during the winter, it's the opposite. People are in a great mood. People are tossing a couple back and they're laughing and they're having fun. And it's winter in the Northwoods and it's beautiful. How tough has this been for morale? Uh, it's starting to wear on people, John, and even even me, you know, and, and I, I stayed here and then I kind of committed to January and February as being months where I wanted to get out and embrace winter, you know, go snowshoeing, uh, do some cross-country skiing, go snowmobiling, um, and, you know, just looking out at a uh, pond that I built out on the lake to ice skate and just seeing water on top of it, yeah, it's pretty depressing, but on the other hand, you know, I, I still look at this as, as a wonderful place to live and, and recreate. Uh, you know, you can probably get a pretty good deal on a rental property or a hotel right now or a motel. You can still build a fire, curl up with a Lenny Kugel's beer, uh, read a good book, um, you know, bring the dogs up. There's museums. Trees for Tomorrow has a great place. There's wineries. There's brew pubs. So there's a lot of other things to do up here. So uh, it's not all woe is us. So uh, we invite you to come on up and and embrace winter with us. Unfortunately, this is going to be the winter that wasn't. Have the snowmobile trails literally not opened? They have not opened in Vilas County, John. Wow. And they they panned them with what they call panning them, getting them ready, kind of uh, getting down. They got the swamps, uh, you know, busted up so that they refreeze. Uh, but... They literally have not opened here in Vilas or Oneida County. Uh, Forest County, which is next door, opened a few of the trails. But i got to imagine that those are all down to dirt now. Dick Leinekoog with us from Eagle River. Good to catch up, Dick. Thank you so much. You bet, John. Um, you know, I, I, I miss the mine shaft, so uh, <laughs> I miss that fish fry with a uh, lining Google's honey vice. So thanks for playing that ad before I came on. Well, it is big food, big fun, Dick. You come down here, and I'm going to take you to the mine shaft. <laughs> only if you bring right, Gene. Great to bring Gene. Great, great speaking with you, John and Greg. <laughs> it is 5:26 at WTMJ. Time for the WTMJ Annex Wealth Management Market Update. Stocks closed flat, but did secure a winning week. The Dow was up today, 60 points, to close at 38,109. The S&P was down three, to close at 48,90. The NASDAQ dropped 55 points, to close at 15,455. Annex Wealth Management, know the difference. John Mercure here from my friends at Dave Drake Camp Heating. It's that time of year. Even though it's not super cold, it is damp. It is kind of chilly. It is not pleasant. Make sure the home comfort in your home is protected by the company that protects mine. It's Dave Drakamp Heating. Throughout the year, they make sure my family's home comfort is right where it needs to be. From the new system they installed several years ago to the care they've shown keeping my system up and running, their commitment to their customers is truly something I'm grateful for. For over 40 years now, Dave Drakamp Heating has been as reliable as the seasons and a family company you can count on. I count on them. I trust them. They're in my house every single year. If you're not feeling grateful for your current heating contractor, check them out. 
you don't lose anything by getting in touch with Dave Dreykamp and let them see what you've got going on at home. Visit DaveDreykamp.com, the companies I trust. New system, maintenance, repair is Dave Dreykamp. DaveDreykamp.com. Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. I want to find that tape. we got to find that tape. We'd be better off listening to adhesive tape. <laughs> that is just so funny. Like, that's spur of the moment. That's Bob Euchre celebrating a big birthday today. And Brian Nisnansky, chief meteorologist at TMJ4, is with us. Doesn't it just get you the mood for summer and baseball and spring training is? <laughs> it does. There really isn't. I, I can't think of too many things that are better than, like, Sitting in your backyard with like an old radio, having a beer and listening to oh, Euchre. That's so good. <laughs> Get you through the middle innings of a, a game that, you know, doesn't matter a whole lot. You know, it's yeah. fantastic. Hey, how did pickleball <laughs> go? You, Vetrano, Mark Cass, and uh, wasn't there one yeah. more? How, how, how'd pickleball go? It was good. It was cool. So you had the Ambrose put on, um, they had like a pickleball night where they had some courts. They partnered up with some other organization to have like pickleball courts like in the concourses for like fans and stuff. And there was a media game prior to. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the court, however, was non-regulation, I would say. Oh. Uh, yeah, they, they had to tighten it up a little bit due to obviously it's not a a big gym you're putting pickleball courts in the concourses so i make an excuse really why why i was overshooting some of my shots so um that's that's what i was getting at. what were yeah. the teams did you rotate or how'd you do the teams yeah we had we had um vince and mark cast were on a team and then me and carl uh from fox six oh, yeah. uh, were on a team um the the other we lost two to one two games to one um, in a rubber match, but let's just say Carl and I were on the end of the court that seemed to be even uh, more hampered by walls and obstacles uh. and things of that nature. And we all know Mark Cass, and he, yep. uh, you know, he he wanted to make sure he was on the good side, of course. Oh, no uh, doubt. The time. There's no yes. doubt. I, before you even <laughs> finish the story, I could tell you who picked what, who's on what side. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was, it was, a, uh, but I will say this. Vinny and Mark are guys who play, you know, all the time, multiple times a week. Um, yeah. whereas Carl and I are lucky to get out, you know, once a month. Uh, we're the younger athletic guys, uh, and, and I'll give them, they took it to us. They took it to us. Yep. Uh, hey, I'm looking at the radar <laughs> it was and uh, it just looks like it's, we're under the apocalypse. And I, I have yeah. radar in here that's green and yellow. And the rain, the fog, the mix, it looks crazy out there. It, it's gross. It is a gross evening, unfortunately, for a Friday night here in Milwaukee. Um, rain isn't terribly too heavy. And temperatures are above freezing. So those are your positives. The negatives is even as this rain starts to taper off, we got at least another solid few hours of this, this light to moderate rain. Um, once it does taper off, then the fog settles in again. So I guess pick your poison, right? Honestly, I think mm. the conditions now with the rain are probably better than what we will have maybe after the Bucks game tonight at 10 o'clock. People driving home could be encountering some really dense fog once again. I think once the rain ends, the fog will start to settle in. Well, at least we're used to it by now. <laughs> Nothing new. <laughs> <laughs> right, I, I came home from that Bucks game. What was it? Wednesday night. And it was super foggy, like really, really foggy to the point of where, like, you know, you just have to, um, you know, lower your speed and and, and you know, drive uh, not like an idiot. 
Um, and I saw a couple of those, too, so <laughs> try to avoid them. Yeah, I saw people on the interstate with their flashers on at night on Wednesday night. Just, yeah. Just, hey, I'm here, I'm here, don't smash I it in the back that, of me. Uh, yep, I did that when um, when it was time to get off the freeway. Um, I threw the flashers on so people knew that I was going to be slowing down and, and then you know could see me and then you know put the blinker on to get off. And um, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be pretty thick again, I think, later on tonight. The conditions are ripe. We're, we continue to melt snowpack, and um, this gloomy weather is going to continue into the weekend, guys. All right, so lead us through it, if you would, Niz, please, beginning tonight. Sure, you got the rain tonight, uh, at least up until about 10 o'clock, and then maybe just some sprinkles to go along with the dense fog. Dense fog advisory until 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. And then I think a breeze picks up enough tomorrow that the fog won't be bad in the afternoon tomorrow. Still gloomy, still lots of clouds, a high 40 degrees as we melt away our snow. On Sunday, mostly cloudy and mild, there is hope for at least a peak of sunshine on Sunday, high temperature of 40 degrees. As we head into Monday, partly cloudy and mild, 43. And then Tuesday, chance of some rain and snow showers in the morning shouldn't be a big deal, a high of 38 degrees. Guys, there really isn't any true winter weather uh, going at least 10 days from now. Um, not a good forecast for you got Winterfest in Lake Geneva next week. Yeah. Um, you know, so anything that, that the winter, winter enthusiasts uh, like, it's not looking good. Chief Meteorologist Brian Nisnansky, have a great weekend, Niz. All right, guys, we'll see you later. Good weekend. It is 542 at WTMJ. Up next, we celebrate Bob Euchre's birthday. The chance to sit down and talk to Euch a couple of years ago. We'll play that for you. And his greatest hits, this is fantastic. You don't want to miss this. It's up next after Debbie helps get you home. Bob Euchre celebrating a big birthday today. A few years ago, I had the chance to sit down and talk to Euch. It was the 30th anniversary of Major League the Movie. And I've been wanting to interview Euchre for a long time. It was kind of on my bucket list. And he doesn't do a lot of interviews, and he's very nice when I see him. But when I told the Brewers I wanted to talk about Major League and the making of the movie, they said Euchre was all in. Here's my conversation with Bob Euchre talking about the making of Major League. Bob, it's been 30 years since Major League. Does it feel like 30 years? You know what? Um, when I look at myself, it does. But <laughs> other than that, no, time time goes by so fast. I know I, I did a little part for that home run derby this year at the All-Star Game. Yeah. Hello again, baseball fans, and welcome to Progressive Field here in Cleveland, Ohio, for one of the most exciting nights in baseball and the 2019 Home Run Derby. And when they were talking about that being 30 years, the 30th anniversary of the film that we did uh, over at Old County Stadium, as a matter of fact, I, I found it kind of hard to believe, but then when I when I think back to it was 1989, you know, here we are in in the year 2019. Yeah, time goes by, man. You can't stop it. That's one thing you can't stop. What are some of your favorite memories or thoughts when you think back to the taping and the making of the movie? Hello again, everyone. I'm Harry Doyle, along with my good friend and partner Monty, what's his name, giving a big wahoo welcome to all the Cleveland faithful. They gave me the uh, they gave me the opportunity to to kind of do what I wanted, you know, to look at the script. They had a lot of funny stuff in there that they wrote, but they gave me the, the freedom to look down on the floor. I had the script down on the floor next to me. I'd look down every once in a while and see what the, see what the scene was, and then go on and do the same thing I do here, you know, with, with the ball club. And, and I found it easy to do. I think it's a little more work when you do, you do something that's not in the script. Then you got to do more. Ricky Vaughn on the pitch now. You can close the book on Kelder. Thank God. Yeah, more stuff like that, more stuff like that. But the script itself was funny, 
Um, we came back from a road trip uh, one night about midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning, and I came to the ballpark, and they were out here getting ready. They were shooting their stuff. I went into Charlie Sheen's trailer and sat with him for about a half an hour and talked about the film. And Vaughn, a juvenile delinquent in the offseason in his Major League debut. I, I was impressed with Charlie Sheen. I mean, the way he threw the ball. Ball four. Ball eight. Low and Vaughn has walked the bases loaded on 12 straight pitches. Boy, how can these guys lay off pitches that close? He really did. He threw pretty good. But all of those people, Corbin Burnson, who took a couple of shots at third base off of fungal balls that were hit to him. Come on, Dorn, get in front of the damn ball. Don't give me this Olay bullshit. I got it right here in my contract. says I don't have to do any calisthenics. I don't feel unnecessary. So what do you think about that? You know, it was a movie that looked pretty decent, that that everybody played pretty good. It wasn't wasn't something where, you, where you're embarrassed about it. I mean, and now, after after all this time, it, it's turned into kind of a cult thing, I guess. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it plays all the time. I mean, I go in the clubhouse sometimes, and these guys have it on in here. Yeah, they know all the lines and, and all the stuff that went on in the film. But I'll tell you, these Cleveland fans are great. Listen to them get behind Vaughn. Hey, way to go, Rick. Oliver Howe loves you. Come on, baby. Come on, Ricky. Come on, Ricky. And it, it lives on. It, it's it's amazing how much. A couple of years back, we went to Cleveland. Rolling into Cleveland to the lake. And they had a Harry Doyle night at uh, at the stadium. So I had to throw out the first pitch. It was it was jammed up, and I had to tell the catcher, you know, I can't. I got to throw it outside. You know, you you know where it's going. Just so you know. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. And he said, I'm, I'm ready for it. So I, that's exactly what I did. I threw it way outside, and he made a nice catch on it, and everybody liked it. It was fun. When you recorded and ad-libbed some of those famous lines, those classic lines, did you know immediately they were gold, they were funny? You see the movie, but I'm actually on radio in the movie, right? So nobody can see me, uh, so I can say what I want. For the Indians, one run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One damn hit. You can't say damn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. Harry Doyle was a radio guy. The guy they had working with me, Monty, he was perfect. You know, I mean, he said absolutely nothing. And he didn't have to say much. No, he didn't have to say anything. No, he was great. Monty was great. It, it was absolutely easy. Go smoking through my dreams. Major League, 35 years old. By the way, quickly, after the interview, I had the chance to... The Brewers guy said, you can have five minutes with Euchre. So I said, I had five minutes. I had my little recorder set, and I was very mindful of not wanting to go over the five minutes. And so I did the five minutes, and I quickly ended it. And I said, thank you very much. And I thought he was going to get up and walk away. And he sat there for ten minutes talking to me. He said, oh, my guys tell me that you're from Menominee Falls. What part of the falls? And they told, cracked a couple jokes about the high school. And he was very, very nice and very, very Friendly and polite. Yeah, once you get him, you got him, right? Yeah. Like, uh, he's always yeah. been that way for, uh, to me, too. So that's cool stuff. That's a fun that's interview. Cool. Yeah, it was good. Uh, I thought it would be a fun way to close out the show here on a Friday with some of the best Bob Uecker calls. And the reason I say some of the best is because you want to comb through 50 years <laughs> of history to find that like, it's not easy. There are so many great calls each and every year. But a little highlight compilation, Bob Uecker from yesteryear and more current. And the pitch to Pauly is lined to center. Get down, ball. Lynn coming on. 
He can't get it. The ball got by him. All the way to the wall. It could be an inside the park home run. Jackson, the pickup, the throw. Monitor coming on. He is in standing. And it is four to two on an inside the park home run by Paul Monitor. Leads the pitch. Is hit over Cooper's head to right a base hit. Here is Reggie turning second, trying for third. Moore's going to have a play on him. The throw in time to get Jackson. Oh, what a throw by Moore. Oh, what a throw by Charlie Moore. He was right on line to Molitor, and Molly was waiting for Jackson when he got there. It's over. The Brewers have won the American League pennant. Milwaukee, you have a World Series. Thousands of people screaming on to the field at County Stadium. It is absolute pandemonium. The pitch, a swing and a fly ball. Right field and deep. Get up, get up, and get out of here. Gone for Swain. And they've done it again. Twelve in a row on a two-run blast by Swain to win it. Oh, my goodness. Holy cow. Do you believe it? Back in against Mesa, who is working from the windup. The 0-1 pick. Swings and there it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it! 3,000 for Robin! Swing and a drive! Right center and deep! Get up! Get out of here! Go! Fielder! He just hit a walk-off and this one is over! All right, here we go with Ryan Braun. The pitch to him. Swing and a drive! birthday uke it is 5:56. hey you want to tell you about underdog fantasy have you downloaded the app yet or signed up online now's the time to do it visit underdogfantasy.com or just download the underdog fantasy app what is it what's well, a pick em game it's real simple pick between two and five players select higher or lower on their stats 
And if he picks hit, you can win up to 100 times your money. It really is that simple. And, yes, it is legal in the state of Wisconsin. A ton of fun to play. I am signed up. Got a couple picks going, actually, for tonight's game involving Giannis and involving uh, Max Klesmit from the Wisconsin Badgers. So there you go. You can cross sports. You can stick to the NBA or just the NFL with Championship Weekend on the horizon. There are so many ways to play and so many ways to win. So here's what you do. Sign up at underdogfantasy.com or by downloading the Underdog Fantasy app. And Underdog Fantasy will match your first deposit up to 100 bucks if you use the promo code. And the promo code is this, WTMJ. Very simple. Promo code WTMJ, Underdog Fantasy, is going to double your first deposit up to $100. It's easy. It's fun. You can do little one-off fantasy games with just two or three friends if you want to do that. That way you know somebody who's going to win. Somebody's always going to win if you do that. It's a ton of fun. Sign-up is smooth. It's a simple process. The app is slick. It's easy to use. And as a matter of fact, I've won some real money while cheering on some of my favorite teams and players. It's Underdog Fantasy, underdogfantasy.com. Promo code WTMJ. They'll double your first deposit up to 100 bucks.